0: Good morning, Roshi. How are you today?
1: I am fine, but one one moment I have to recite our gotha of the podcast.
0: Gotha of the podcast. Go ahead. Recording this
1: podcast. May all living beings have their ears open to wisdom, and may compassion be downloaded as an episode into their hearts. <laughs> that is a a wonderful monastic practice that I encourage uh, many folks to do at home. To make you don't have to use traditional gotha. You make these little gotha. They're 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 not really. They're not prayers, they're not chants as such, they're just reminders of the sacred little thing we do. And they usually have a line that says, may all living beings, and then we dedicate, you know, and they all have a little humor in them. Did you get, you know, something like that? Like I'll, I'll, I'll read a traditional one to you about the waking up, the waking up bell verse. This is the bell they ring in the monastery, you know. Waking up in the early morning, may all living beings awaken to all-pervading wisdom which rings out in the ten directions, like that, you know. So it's a lovely practice. So That's our subject today, monastic practices, which we can bring home. But you, today... You, you, you're already, uh, you lazy bones. You've been sleeping for nine hours in, in a monastery. You're supposed to.
0: Nine and a half hours. Yeah.
1: You're supposed to sleep for, for, for four hours and get up at 3am. Don't you know that?
0: I wouldn't make it. I, I haven't been feeling well lately. I've, I think everyone has a cold in this country. I was reading the other day that COVID seems to have altered people's immunity in general. And that that means we're likely to get more colds and, and everyone's had a cold for months and, the past couple of days I've been feeling feverish. So uh, we, we record at 10 a.m. my time, which is what, 8 p.m. your time? Uh, Something like that, yeah. And I'm usually up at 8 or 8.30 in the morning. I don't get up that early, but today I woke up, it was after 10, and I looked at my watch and I saw all these notifications of like, you know, you have things to do, and then Jundo is waiting for you in your Zoom call.
1: Well, uh, first so off, we will dedicate... My humble
0: apologies for being late. No,
1: no, no, all the times you've had to wait for me, but... Uh... We will, first off, dedicate, dedicate all we do for you. This is a, a, an important part of monastic practice, too. Everything you do, you can dedicate to something, right? Not to keep it for your, your own benefit, but to give it away, which is actually in Buddhism kind of a karmic win-win situation, because you give it away, <laughs> and then you get the karma, the good karma of having given it away, which I can give away again, which means I get double good karma, and we can keep going on like that forever. But uh, I, I hope you feel better,
0: and our subject today is Is monastic living is can you live like a monk in your own home and do you want to? Right,
1: should you right now you you've been practicing Zen for a while. Do you do any quasi monastic things in your life?
0: Not really. I have cats, so it's hard. <laughs> do, 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 you, do you bow to the toilet before you enter? No, I don't do that. Um, I, I try to. I'm not a ritual guy, and we've discussed this privately before, but I kind of try to respect everything in the sense that I treat my home as a space that's important, not just you live in your home. Your home is your life, and you have to treat it like it has value, not just like it's something that's temporary.
1: No, I agree. I agree. But, you know, these little things, now, uh, again, it may sound silly. Why do you bow to the toilet? Because we don't give it enough credit. It's a miracle that we can pee and poo, as I like to say.
0: And uh, this uh, device. <laughs> and as long as you're peeing and pooing, it shows you're still alive.
1: And it's a wonder just to to be able to ta- be grateful. Here is the traditional purification verse, the Senjō <laughs> no or when you enter the toilet in the monastery. Using the toilet, may all living beings eliminate defilements. Get it? Eliminate defilements. <laughs> free from greed, hate, and delusion. So you dedicate your going to others. You get that that karma going for you. Plus, you remember that it's a miracle that uh, you're here on the Buddhist throne.
0: I have a problem with that kind of chanting. Now, I understand it fits in a monastic situation, but wouldn't it sound better with a backbeat and a little bit of rhythm to it?
1: There's nothing to keep you from doing that, but uh, what they recommend in the monastery, uh, uh, what they do in the monastery, when I recommend is, you know, you put up the little one about there's a toothbrushing one, you hang that where you brush your teeth, there's the hand-washing one. Now, you don't have to get obsessive about this. The point is that just a few times during the day, the things you take for granted, you take a moment, do this little gotha. At least give a little show, And remember, it's a miracle and sacred that you're here to wash the dishes or brush your teeth or whatever it is, you know.
0: I should bow to my tea kettle.
1: That is sacred to you. I know you, you just had your tea this morning. And, yes. Uh,
0: yeah. Tea is important to me. It is the rhythm of my day, the number of cups of tea that I have. And the type of tea, I'm a tea snob. I have like two dozen different types of tea. So which one I have when is very important to providing rhythm to my wife. And, and I think this is the goal of all this stuff in monastic life, because they had to fill 24 hours a day, and they had to have a kind of a rhythm and a schedule, didn't they?
1: Well, even my wife uh, kind of gashos to the teacup before she just grabs it. You, you know, it, and she's not living as a monk. It's just for Japanese folks, the, the tea, the teacup is sacred. And it's kind of like you say, itadakimasu, I humbly receive you. So you just take a moment. You know, to say all the labor and nature, the the wonders of nature that have gone into just a simple cup of tea. Now, another monastic practice that I recommend to to friends, even though it's very time consuming, is oreoche, which is before you gobble down your food, you take, I don't know, a couple of hours. No, it usually takes about 20 minutes, (laughs) 20 minutes of chanting and bowing and opening your bowls and bowing and more chanting. And then you eat. Now, of course, most of us during the day, we have no time for a full Oreoke to, to you know, with our 30-minute lunch during work. But just take a moment, bow to the food, really look at it, don't rush into it. Maybe say a little gotha about eating, you know, all the labors that went into this, all that contributed and brought it to me, like something like that.
0: And then dig in. Why not? But if you wait 20 minutes, your food's going to be cold. Well, I'm saying take 20 seconds, just take 20 seconds to say thank you. If in the monastery they'd spend 20 minutes on this, then they must not eat warm food. No, that's true. That's true.
1: But that's part of it, you know, because while we eat what's healthy in Buddhism, we don't intentionally take poison. On the other hand, they say a monk's mouth is like a furnace. You do not think about what you love or detest. If you get spinach and you hate spinach, you eat the spinach. One time I went to a monastery and a donor gave a uh, cheesecake and it was luscious, right? And I'm saying, oh, good. Get a little dessert here. (laughs) Day four of this uh, session, we got to get a little cheesecake. I love to nice New York cheesecake here. Before I knew it, everyone had picked up the cheesecake, stuffed it in their mouth and swallowed it. It wasn't about, you don't savor it. You don't linger on it. It, People think that Zen folks are, you know, slow eaters. I'm sorry. Maybe the French monks. They take their time, but in Japan, no, no, it's
0: uh, very mechanical. Eat, 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 and you're done. So it's more a question of just fueling themselves and not caring what they're eating rather than seeing eating as a pleasure. And I think that's a bit of a shame.
1: Well, no, uh, because there are other times you can linger if you wish, but this is a lesson. Okay. This is a lesson in just appreciating that this is medicine for our practice. You don't take the medicine and think, oh, this is good tasting medicine or bad tasting medicine. It's just medicine and fuel to keep us going. So, there are many wonderful practices of monasticism that us, uh, homeowners, lay people, uh, people out in the world can bring into our life a little bit to remember it's sacred
0: and to be mindful. Right. And we've discussed monks and monastic practice in the past. It's not something that you would want to, well, it's not something you could do all the time if you have a job, but it's not something you'd want to do all the time. Perhaps, as you say, for a session or a week or whatever in, in a monastery, you would do this, but this is extremely rigorous. You don't have any time to do anything other than sitting and that little time for eating and the little time for washing, and that's all there is, right? This is where we turn to the other part of our conversation. And critical of all (laughs) these
1: monastic practices. Well, not critical. First, I want to say very clearly. The B-side. The B-side. First, I want to say clearly, for people who find their practice in the monastery, it is something to be honored, respected, and celebrated for them. That's number one. Number two, as I said, there are little things that we can all bring out for ourselves. But it is a misunderstanding to say that real... Zen Buddhist practice has to be in the monastery. Au contraire, as the French monks say. It is... Au contraire. Au au contraire. Au contraire. As the... Yes. Yes. (laughs) It is what the Buddha said in the earliest sutras was, the way out in the world is dusty and hard. It is not easy out in the world to find our path. But he never said it's impossible. And if you read it closely, what he said was the hard path is on the outside. The easy path is on the inside where you're removed from many responsibilities. And you can devote yourself to practice all the time. Our trick is to find the wisdom and compassion out here in the complex world. And that's the tricky, the hard road. But you know, the hard road is sometimes
0: the richest road. So if you think back to early Buddhism, there was a sort of a path, if I'm understanding everything correctly, that if you meditated long enough, you would reach nirvana. Yet for us, we don't see it like that. So we don't think that we have to sit in a monastery for years and years because we have to log enough hours of, of sitting zazen. For us, the goal, according to Dogen, is just to sit. And that once we're sitting with the right attitude, we have realized everything right then and there. Who could Did I pronounce it right this time? <laughs> no, but go ahead. Dogen was a hard
1: monastic, which is not hard to, to believe because he was a monastic. And yeah. that was his life. And he was lecturing. He was like a football coach. Most of his talks were lecturing other monastics, trying to build up their morale. So, of course, he said... To many times, it's it's monasticism or nothing. On the other hand, Dogan, who liked to speak out of both sides of his no-sided mouth, as I sometimes say, if he was talking to lay people, would say, "No, no, you lay people are fine. You can do it too." But when he was talking to the monastics, he said, "No, those lay people, no. It's got to be for the monastics." So D- Dogan was, you know, went blew around with the weather on this issue, this
0: one issue. Yeah, yeah. But did Dogan himself sit? does the leader of a monastery do all the sitting and all the hard work along with everyone else? Or is he just like, get them started in the morning and then go hang out in his office and, I don't know, play Go or something?
1: I don't know what he did when no one was watching. You know, maybe he just, you know, (laughs) turned on Netflix. I have no idea what he did back in the day. But I'm sure he bowed to the toilet. I'm sure he sat Zazen because this was the thing this was serious. This was their life. This was their calling. I don't doubt. But I want to talk to most of our listeners who are not monastics. Do you need to do this now? I get folks write me all the time, and they say, "Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up at four o'clock in the morning, after my three hours of sleep, and I'm going to sit uh, zazen for two hours. Two hours again at lunchtime. Another two hours at dinner. Then I'm going to bow to everything, and I'm going to chant. I'm going to." be silent when I'm not chanting, or take, uh, how to say, very few words. I'm going to not check the news. I'm going to cut myself off. I am going to live in my house as close as I can to the life of a monastic. And in this way, I will get enlightenment. And I say, in that way, I think you're going to go nuts in about two weeks, frankly. <laughs> or people are going to think
0: you're nuts. And it's it's not necessary or even Good, ask me why it sounds to me like this would bring a lot of stress on the body. is why isn't it good? well let's take it one by one, all these different things,
1: okay uh first off, there is a time where you want to stick to a, a strict schedule and strict ritual, every gesture, hand gesture, every footstep is determined in a traditional way like monastics do in a Zen monastery because it's a dance, and you throw yourself in right. And there's beauty in throwing yourself into all these rituals. You lose yourself and find yourself again, as I like to say, your true self, right? But out in the world, our practice is also very interesting. It's floating with the constant chaos and change of condition, going where the river takes you, being flexible and easy with whatever surprise gets tossed your way. That's a powerful practice, too. So don't try to shut the door and close out the world. Be free in your heart, no matter what the world throws at you. Now, also silence, as opposed to taking a vow of silence, which is good sometimes. I'm encouraging everybody, go to a monastery for a few weeks if you can, every now and then, if you got the time.
0: A few weeks? Yeah. uh, Even one week is going to be a lot for people who don't live there all the time. Do what you
1: can. Do what you can. But the other times, hear the silence, which is the greatest noise of the world, the talking heads on the 24-hour news, the bombs exploding and the war across the world, the car backflying, the crying baby, the telephone ringing off the hook. There's silence in there. Can you find it?
0: Uh, You know, talking about all the rigors of monasticism reminds me of a Monty Python sketch. There were four Yorkshiremen and they were sitting around and they were talking about how bad it was in the old days. And the the fourth one, he comes out and he says, I won't do the accent because even though I lived in Yorkshire for a while, I don't want to pretend that I can do the accent. He said, I had to get up in the morning at 10 o'clock at night, half an hour before I went to bed, drink a cup of sulfuric acid, work 29 hours a day down mill and pay mill owner for permission to come to work. And when we got home, our dad and our mother would kill us and dance about on our grave singing hallelujah. Sounds like when my grandparents used to talk about the Depression. But yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly, yeah.
1: And by the way, you made fun of my French accent. I would love to hear your Yorkshire accent, but
0: I won't put you on the spot. Yeah, come on, come on, just a little. No, I'd have to rehearse. I'd have to rehearse. But the idea of monasticism is interesting. Could, Could someone set up one day a month in their home... And and have a, a routine they could follow that, I don't want to say approaches monasticism, because it's not. You're still in your home. But is that possible to do like a, a, a monthly monk day? Let's call it monk day.
1: It sounds like a very nice idea. And again, I encourage people to do that. But there's some, uh, an authority you have to ask higher than Jundo, higher than Dogen, higher than the Buddha. You have to ask your spouse. Because she's going to say, hey, it's Sunday. What are you doing? It's our Sunday. I haven't seen you all week. What are you doing? So can you find that same peace and uh, stillness when you're playing with the kids, when you're out shopping in the mall? Uh, You know, resisting to purchase things in the mall or on Amazon is a wonderful practice of giving up uh, desires, you know, Uh, the monk he has no chance to shop on the internet mall in the monastery. He has his robe. It's black. He's not looking for shoes or a t-shirt. He doesn't wear shoes. You, your practice to resist that extra pair of shoes, to resist that t-shirt
0: that you don't really need. This is a powerful practice. In a way, the idea of wanting to live like a monastic at home is a bit of cosplay, right? ooh, I'm going to be like a Zen monk and I'll be so much better because I can do it at home. But what you're saying is more interesting because uh, if you're a Zen monk in a monastery, you have no distractions other than your mind. As you said, you don't have Amazon or Netflix or shopping malls and all that. So it's a lot easier to sit Zazen for a long time because you got nothing else to do. And at home, we're constantly buffeted by all sorts of distractions.
1: Now, it's also important to say that We can go the other direction and overly romanticize the monastic and say that their life...
0: Well, that's what what I mean, that people, they cosplay Zen monks because they think it's so cool to be a Zen monk.
1: Being a Zen monk has its own tensions, responsibilities, schedules, temptations, and annoying people you have to deal with as much as you have to deal with folks at the office. If that
0: guy to your right didn't wash enough and you're sitting there for 50 minutes doing Zazen... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: well, yeah, yeah. The colds like you have—they go around the monastery real quick.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Did they? Did they all wear masks during COVID? In fact, are they still wearing masks?
1: Yes, they—they uh, they actually designed lovely, very traditional-looking masks. I've seen some monks wearing that look like they came from a thousand years ago. Really, really tasteful. <laughs> and uh, and they also closed the doors to tourists and such uh, uh, for a lot yeah. of the monasteries.
0: So they actually, I think, did quite well during COVID, at least here in Japan. Yeah. So what what is the goal of, not of the Zen monks in the monastery, but what is the goal of someone trying to add monastic practices at home? Does it change the type of Zen they do? They think they will find the enlightenment, the
1: stillness, the, the wisdom in doing that. And I'm saying that really, you have to eventually bring it out into the world. You might as well cut to the chase right now. If you're wise about it, you can find the practice in your office, in your kitchen—not the, just the monastery kitchen. You, you can find it scrubbing your floors, and will make your spouse happy too, like scrubbing your floors at home as much as scrubbing the monastery floors. Now, another thing: this is zazen. You've heard of zazen? Yeah,
0: it's that thing where you sit around and do nothing.
1: Yes, we have to. We have to talk about that. We have to. Yes, and we talk about it all the time. Zazen, is Zen meditation. People think that the more they sit, the better. And I, of course, have a a big, uh, how to say, mm, spoiler on that belief. Because I remind folks of this. You can sit long and you can sit short. And sometimes it's good to sit long, even though several weeks in retreat. I'm not saying don't do it. But whether you sit long or you sit short, you should always sit putting down measures, time, and goals. Truly, if you sit for a few moments or minutes beyond all measure and time and goal, it is better than to sit for hours and hours or days and days hungry and chasing
0: after something. You know, I've always had that image, and I probably got this from the earliest Zen books or and talks that I heard, that when you sit Zazen, you can imagine silty water and the silt settling in the water over time after a few minutes, right? And it happens very often when you sit Zazen. It takes a while for your brain to calm down. But it's true that as your InstaZen, your patented uh, InstaZen, uh, there are times where I'll just sit for one minute. And if I've got that intention, I can feel that peace even for just one minute. If I'm in waiting in the dentist office or something, or if I'm just sitting outside, the birds are chirping and i just decided to sit zazen instead of just sitting in a chair and that those short bits of zazen can be as powerful as longer zazen
1: yeah 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 no i i mean literally even a snap of a fingers even a half a moment within a moment can be timeless and beyond all measure but i don't recommend that people just sit for a snap of a fingers because as you said it's. It usually takes a, a a few minutes for our busy minds to settle and to realize timelessness. It takes a little time to realize timelessness, okay? Yeah. So people sit. You can sit five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It doesn't matter. But get beyond time, measure, attainment, know the perfection and completeness of sitting, and that's a good sitting. Sit for weeks and weeks and years and years, never knowing the completeness of this moment. And what are you chasing after, my friend? Even. With your cold, when you sneeze, know the completeness of that sneeze, my friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're saying that some of these Zen monks in monasteries might be sitting for decades and not know the completeness of Zazen? I'm saying
1: that exactly. And uh, the, that doesn't mean that you should not sit long. For example, if I go to a long retreat, it's lovely to sit very dedica- with great dedication to timelessness and great lengths of time in which I know there's no place to go and nothing more to do. It's good to sit long sometimes. It's good to go to retreats, don't get me wrong. But long or short, always sit beyond time.
0: Okay, Roshi, where do we go from here?
1: I got a gotha to end the podcast. We dedicate the merits of this podcast to all sentient listeners. May they and all creatures of the world Download this episode.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.